Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in and welcome to the very first episode of Voice of Weddings, a podcast by Wedwise. I'm Guinea Kohli, the creator and host of the show and also the founder CEO of Wedwise. Over the years, being sort of an insider of the wedding industry, I've come across some amazing and extremely talented individuals. Their creativity and passion for weddings are beyond imagination. So with every episode on this podcast, we'll be interviewing some of the most celebrated professionals and thought leaders of the wedding industry by getting up close and personal and having some really interesting and candid conversation about their life, the wedding business, and of course, their secret to success. This is your chance to get to know them like never before and get inspired. So let's begin. My first guest on the show is someone I truly admire for creativity and dedication. He's a forward thinker, someone who's been able to successfully move outside the conventional thinking and change the rules of wedding catering by offering unmatched and one-of-its-kind culinary experiences. Yes, it's Varun Tulli. Varun Tulli started off as a food entrepreneur back in 2008 when he set up India's first restaurant with his conveyor belt sushi. He was a trendsetter then and he's a trendsetter now. Yum Yum Tree had a successful eight-year run and after that, Yum Yum Cha opened its first outlet in 2014 at India's one of the most successful malls, Select City Walk. It now has four outlets in Delhi and Siam. Noshi, which is another brand that he started in 2016, has grown to be one of the most loved home delivery for, for Pan-Asian. In 2010, he set up Food Inc., the catering company by the Yum Yum Tree, serving the best of Indian, Pakistani, coastal and European Pan-Asian cuisines. So please welcome my first guest, Mr. Varun Tulli. Great. Thank you so much, Varun, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gini. Love advice. Thank you so very much, Varun. I just want before we begin, I just wanted to tell you something that, you know, your name is something that is synonymous with the business of food, especially in India. You're a serial entrepreneur, a true visionary, and of course, a trendsetter of the industry. And you're often the case study of most businesses as you've been able to establish one of the most successful restaurants and a catering business in India. So you have a lot going on under this one umbrella of yours and you're not that old either. So, you know, I feel uh, you are one of the most uh, interesting uh, individuals out there who really pursued what they love and have been able to successfully manage to make it as a career as well. So thank you, Guinea. I don't know how, uh, you know, I'm worthy of all those words, but um, I think we just got very fortunate. Uh, I think we just were lucky enough to be able to do what we wanted to do. Um, right in the beginning, um, you know, and we had certain opportunities, certain things have to be attributed to luck, certain things have to be op- attributed to opportunity. I think when certain opportunities come their way, we should actually uh, figure out, uh, uh, you know, how to make the most of those opportunities. You know, a lot of people are, are, are pretty upset with the entire coronavirus situation and I always tell them that, you know, there could be certain opportunities that you could find in this, yeah. right? Yeah. So the idea is that, you know, while the world is sleeping if you can actually step in and do something which is unique there'll always be a time where you know the the switch will flip and you know i can give your example i think i think uh, when you started wedwise you were you were way ahead of your time that uh, you know people never thought that wedding related uh, uh, content would be consumable online and yeah. that was fairly new and you were you were a kind of a leader in that space so to speak um, today, 
it's been accelerated coronavirus has has made it almost mandatory for everything to be consumed online so Absolutely. you know i think i think if you have conviction in what you do you will you may not see results immediately i think yeah. that you just yeah. need to persevere and make sure that listen this is what i believe in and yeah. because i believe in this this is what i'm going to do um and i and i Absolutely. really think trying to you know if we try and follow people i i, I don't think we'll we, anything will come out of it you know so so i think it's it's nice to follow people for inspiration it's nice to follow people to to kind of appreciate and like what they're doing but but i think trying to just do what you like to do and what you feel is going to work um is really what and i think what's very important is to do what you like uh, more than yeah. what will be successful uh, you can never gauge what will be successful you can't say tomorrow that listen um i should get into the mask business because everybody will be buying masks you don't know when the opportunity will will come in right yeah. if you enjoy making masks you should get into the mask business then if you understand the nuances of that you should get into that so similarly i think in every category in the wedding business even within food there are so many categories sub categories within food you could just be a bartender you could just be somebody who does desserts you could be somebody yeah. who takes care of just indian food right and yeah. it's not necessary to want to do everything all the time Uh, um so i think it's very very important to understand what you like to do and what what find that niche really to excel and what your skills and what your skills and strength are you know i think we had a very we had a very clear vision when we started catering you know at that point we had an asian restaurant by the name of yum yum tree and yeah. when we started food inc uh, in the first few years we were very clear we wanted to get into weddings and we could not get into weddings with only asian food we had to make sure that we 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 gave indian food to people and i think in the first few uh, years we would actually price our indian menus much below what an asian menu would be priced at and almost force people to take indian menus or just throw in two or three indian dishes free even if they were taking asian menus from us right um, right and we would we would make we could make excuses like the elders in the family would want it you know with drinks you'd enjoy indian food you know people uh, think that on a dining table indian food kind of uh, sits better so you know we made various excuses and just made sure at whatever cost it cost us a lot of money to to bring indian food to people um but but i think we were clear that till people don't associate indian food with us we we won't get anywhere absolutely so again i would like to believe whatever you touch turns into gold because everything that you started and and i think i tell you why that happened why i say that is because every time you launch something one realizes wow there was this gap in the market and with the first mover advantage you grab that opportunity and you absolutely own it you know so i want to understand how do what inspires you to sort of come up with these uh innovative products every time which is with your restaurants or the uh, uh the catering business so what really inspires you what is that secret of success of yours so uh you mean uh i think that uh that's absolutely not true that everything that i touch turns to gold i think we've had our fair share of failures i think we've gone through a lot of things uh we've, we've gone through many many uh you know failures we've gone through many many uh trials and tribulations um but uh you know i think uh, till you don't fail you won't learn anything right uh, you know yeah. we are about to launch an indian delivery brand we are about to launch uh, a european delivery brand uh, we don't know how well or, or, or badly they will do so it's not it's not absolutely mm-hmm. correct that everything that i touch i think what what we have focused on is that what we knew well at least for example in the restaurant space yeah. we stuck to asian for a very long time even though in catering 
we knew indian was working yeah. we didn't try and kind of lose focus yeah. of that um so i think i think the idea is also to be focused because it requires a lot of discipline to say listen i'm doing all these different cuisines and catering why can't i just go ahead and open 10 new restaurants with it um sure. uh, and 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 so many people told us open an indian restaurant open an italian restaurant we never did it we are going to open an italian restaurant next but that is after 12 years you know for 12 years we've only had wow. yeah. an indian restaurant 12 and a half years Easy. by the time by the time we open it will be 13 years of only asian restaurants right so so and by the time we do an indian delivery brand it will be it will be after about 10 years of doing indian food and catering so so the idea is that that you know 10 years is a lot of time after 10 years i think you can kind of learn something uh, well in 10 years and then you can kind of take that point forward so the idea is that anybody who is wanting to start out uh, you know i think i think first they should just understand what they like you know do they like uh, not being able to sleep at night do they like working 24 hours a day you know so you got to ask yourself <laughs> these questions you know do you really get motivated by your work so much that you need you you're open to doing it you know all day and all night if you're open to doing it all day and all absolutely and which i think brings me to asking you you were you're not a trained chef you don't come from a background of food uh if i've got this right you're an industrial engineer and you worked as a financial analyst with Lehman Brothers in New York and but your first venture actually is was way back in college when you started off uh, uh working as uh, you know company where you were providing students to the phd students undergrad students to phd students and it was called the office for technical consulting resources so we were doing we were doing consulting so just like an accenture or a mckinsey or a or a bcg or bain would consult uh we we yeah. basically yeah. came in as consultants for companies yeah. and yeah. uh right. PhD students and master students and even undergraduate students for that matter were essentially our staff and we would basically uh, do a project let's say somebody wants to make uh you know uh, like microsoft wanted to make a knowledge base uh, more popular we 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 kind of did the project where we found out the feasibility study of it you know when voice over ip came in first where communication over over phones came in first you know we were one of the first to publish a project which said that at the current bandwidth it would not work out uh mitsubishi wanted to do a touch wow. screen we were able to do a touch screen uh you know which was a 12 foot by 12 foot touch screen you know um with with various cameras on it so um we were basically doing as a consulting company someone like accenture or bain would would basically yeah. uh, uh, do a quality assurance on us sure so basically the entrepreneurial bug really bit you long back not just when you started your restaurant business and so if i also got it right you're actually a true example also of things when people say a degree does not define your passion or your career and you actually stand true for that one as well I mean, a lot of uh, young uh, entrepreneurs sort of want to stick down with their degree and sort of continue working in the career that they've been uh, uh, studying around and they don't want to sort of pursue their passion as early as say 18 or 19 in their um, in their lives but you you sort of started way way early was it when did you give us a little idea on when you first started and what really got you into the food business i've been you know so firstly as far as education is concerned i think uh, you know every education that you have has some kind of output in what you do right so engineering means this discipline like today i can't do anything without a recipe i can't do anything without a process um engineering teaches yeah. you that right 
similarly if you did for example hotel management and you tomorrow started to kind of do acting for example i'm sure uh, hotel management would te- teach you something about acting as well right so no you can get any random education with any random career um and and yet it, you know there would be some kind of a learning from that right so i i definitely think that 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 is something that you can't uh, ignore you can't say that you know i i studied something in and i can't kind of uh, uh, go ahead and do that and what was your second question again my question was what made you start to get into the food business you of course your passion is there but what was that what was that paradigm shift that you had in your life and why did you have that yeah so we uh, you know so i i have been cooking since i was maybe 8 years old right so i've been cooking since i was a kid my mom used to cook um, you know food all the time she would make a lot of chinese food she would make a lot of desserts uh, you know maybe that was part of my kind of influence in there uh, i started mm. i started kind of enjoying making something as simple as eggs right so just uh, understanding what would make a nice omelet or scrambled eggs that was one of my first kind of things that i would do right um i would kind of be told all the time that boys don't cook so you know why are you why are you, you know so why are you kind of cooking so um that kind of uh, didn't uh, give me that much uh, motivation you know as we grew up yeah. there was a lot of uh, you know cable tv came in we you know a lot of food shows started coming on so i would watch a lot of food shows when i went to the us to study there were also a lot of food shows there and when when i was yeah. at you know when i was in my apartment with my friends i would miss indian food and i would never get indian food uh of the caliber or level that that you would get in india um at least in the us i would never get that so i i started kind of experimenting with how to make you know basic indian food how to make a rajma a dal you know a chicken curry etc so um, so so i think uh, yeah. you know starting from 8 years old all the way up to you know college to you know between about let's say 8 and 20 there were various phases in which i consumed food shows i kind of uh made food so that kind of you know food was something that always excited me food was something that was was something that was you know you a, a hobby of sorts right i would i would be very very interested in how food is prepared why things taste a certain way how to get ingredients how to kind of substitute ingredients if you can't get ingredients in 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 certain dishes so i think food science so to speak if there if that was a subject would have been the choice of subject for me you know if i had to go back and and that's amazing because that tells us exactly what differentiates you from the rest of the players in the industry now another thing i would like to point out now because we we are a wedding podcast we would like to shift a little on the wedding front as well and because you have one of the most successful wedding catering companies fooding i think uh, it's it's something that it does uh, the work that it does is absolutely spectacular um the kind of i think the work that you've put in in terms of bringing the not just the opulence of the the setup but also the diversity and the taste in the cuisines that you offer is perhaps something that has never been experienced in indian weddings so i wanted to ask you what is it that your company does to really outsell the competitors you know what is it you do what does what outsells you from the rest of the world so i think one of the first things that 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 kind of differentiates us is that we're not a one size fits all company we're not somebody who kind of does every event the same way we are a very very simple customized solution right for any event every single event stands out every single event yeah. is different from the previous event so one of the th- you know a lot of people what they feel is that a wedding is a wedding is a wedding you might just you know might as well do the same menu in all the events right and there are people right. uh, who kind of do um, a lot of uh, events uh, 
where they do the same menu over 20 days they'll do the same menu every single day and they are also able to achieve lower costs with that you know because it's the same menu yeah. repeating every day and there is a market for that and there are people who want a grand menu with everything on the table but but we we don't call that a usp so so our first usp is that we customize solutions the second usp is that we make sure that we give uh, uh, the correct experience right so if we cannot do something we actually get somebody from outside to come in and do it right so if somebody wants right. amritsari fish and 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 we believe that makhan fish is the best place to get amritsari fish uh, we'll have makhan fish themselves come in to do it right um there's no point trying to copy something you know somebody's doing something for 50 years it's it's impossible yeah. uh, to kind of just copy exactly what they're doing neither does anybody mm-hmm. want to so i think we we're very open to collaboration we're very open to bringing in people who know what they do um so customization is one collaboration is number two um number three which is also an extension of collaboration is we really try and understand the family that we are working with we try and understand their friends we try to understand their family we understand you know their culture you know do they like yeah. to eat early or late do they like yeah. uh Uh, you know heavy food or lighter food you know are there a lot of younger people in the crowd are there a lot of older people in the crowd you know what kind of preferences you know are they all vegetarian do they eat onion and garlic uh, you know so there are various things that you've got to understand and by the time we actually present the food we already know what 80% of the people are eating so that kind of gives us a little bit of an edge that you are almost customizing the food to to to, to every kind of the like the guests really uh, uh the fourth thing that differentiate us would be like you know i think we do a lot of live cooking we try our level best to avoid chafing dishes we kind of make sure that every dish is prepared by hand and we also at the same time ensure that there is no waiting so if we have to have 25 roti stations for a 2000 person uh, wedding we'll have 25 roti stations all 25 roti stations would di- prepare different rotis not the same roti um but you would never have to wait and you'll always get a fresh and hot roti you know so i think there yeah. are very very small things that 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 kind of help differentiate us uh hmm. from from the larger kind of crowd um and and we are also somebody who believes in certain cuisine certain styles of of cooking uh, like i don't believe in pasta from a packet i think we should you know pasta should be made fresh uh i i think uh, dal makhani should only be made with a black dal a lot of people mix three four types of dal in a black uh, you know in a dal makhani a lot of people use a lot of oil and cream and butter we try and stay away from from certain ingredients we try and be as close to nature as possible in our ingredients so so there are That's very small things that can shape us as well yeah awesome so tell me something of course you've seen a lot of people in in india have sort of ventured into the catering business what according to you because you have a few experiences here in terms of you know the failures that you've talked about you've talked about your experiences in terms of collaborating and 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 customizing what do you think people get wrong when they're starting a wedding catering business i think the biggest thing that they get wrong is that they are starting a wedding catering business i think nobody can go from from you know today you know with coronavirus it's 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 a first of sorts where most weddings are restricted to 50 people right but yeah. essentially a wedding in india is about 500 or 1000 or 2000 people right nobody right. can say that from day one i want to do 2000 people right and everybody thinks that from day one they would they would, they'll kind of go ahead and do 2000 people so when you're starting a wedding catering business you have to understand that in a wedding even if the wedding is a thousand people there will be a mehndi and there will be a cocktail right and yeah. 
you as a as a as a first time caterer cannot do a mehndi you cannot do a cocktail you cannot do a wedding because people may not trust you for the three main functions so you start exploring what else is there there is the morning of the wedding for example right so there is the sense function or the chuda function there are as a open house there are the smaller functions to start with absolutely so wedding related is what if you want to get into a wedding business you go wedding related you you tell a client that listen uh, you will have guests staying in your house you know every day um or people coming over to your house every day there will be dance practices that will happen every day so why can't we do those first right i think rather than trying to pitch to every single client that let us do your wedding and i want to be the wedding caterer and have my name out there on day one i think that would be the biggest mistake you can't just say i am a wedding caterer and in the process if you feel that the birthday parties and anniversaries and corporate events are more lucrative maybe you become a corporate caterer maybe you don't become a wedding caterer so i think you need to be very open i think that that what you're trying to achieve is a final goal i think a final goal is a process Um, you may not that's like so 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 informative thank you so much varun i think that makes a lot of sense and uh, wedding related businesses should be the first stepping stone for anybody who's trying to get into this uh, uh this catering business and i think uh, very well said and and what i what i really understand from your talks is that you've had your series of ups and downs in the catering business do you remember that one time when you thought that you know wow i'm not doing the catering business anymore i'm going to go back to my restaurants completely and uh, you know how did you come up with that uh, how did you overcome that feeling and what happened after it so i think i think in catering there are there are two things that kind of are, are almost like bottlenecks or, or or certain things that you know keep making you think that you want to you want to kind of do something else or 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 do that i think one of the biggest things is that you know i've been fortunate enough to be able to do multiple businesses but whenever you do every single event um you know every customer would like you to be personally there and personally a part of their celebrations and personally a part of the menu making sessions right now yeah. if you can have a team of people who kind of follow what you do um are, are an extension of what you do and think like what you do and most importantly have freedom to go out and make the mistakes that you have made yourself um that would be i think a a, a much easier way for you to think that you want to kind of continue in that business i think I think that is something that 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 you know the only thing that makes me get out is if somebody absolutely insists that I have to be a part of the menu making session and and the, we are a very very large company and I think that I am not alone in this um, our team is what makes us right and and I think that yeah. if if uh, our customers realize that you know they also when they interact with the chef directly the chef directly understands what they like so if if they have a meeting yeah. with my chef or if they have a meeting with the general manager um they will understand what they want they know that you know pandit ji ki thali 5 baje lagani right something as simple as that right um in the meeting with me that might not come out uh with a chef they might be able to yeah. say that chef ghee kam rakho aur mirchi kam rakho kyunki hamare guest ko acha nahi lagta right uh, or to a chef they might ask that there must be an option of a phulka and a yellow dal for certain guests who are not adventurous right so a chef understands those things yeah. so i think if you are able to create a company um i think you'll be a lot more successful the more you take try and keep control in your own hands the more you'll want to try and get out the business uh, so that was one and the other main you know issue in in our industry so to speak is payments become a challenge uh, you know a lot of people expect mm-hmm. large days of credit and a lot of people don't end up 
paying uh, post the celebrations. Uh, there are cases in which we have not got money uh, for years. You know, for the last five years, you know, there is somebody who has not paid us, um, and we keep following up with 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 people, and and it's, it becomes a challenge. You know, people try and try and cut money post the event. People try and have uh, you know twelve hundred to fifteen hundred people with a guarantee of thousand people. I think those are the few times that a few people, and I'm not saying everybody is like that. I would say ninety percent of customers yeah. are fantastic, but the ten percent of the people who try and take advantage, um, you know, that's where you feel you want to get out. So when you're younger and when you're newer, uh, a lot of people take advantage of you and tell you that listen, you do a good job, and I will I will pay you very well. Um, or recommend you to the others. <laughs> right, and we'll recommend you to the others. And what ends up happening is yeah. that because you're young, you say, you know, listen, I need this business. Uh, I'll take the risk of credit. Yeah. I'll get the money later. Uh, and if the customer doesn't pay, what do you do? Your suppliers will start knocking at your door. Your, you know, everybody will start kind of, uh, uh, you know, wanting their payments. And and what ends up happening is that that will dishearten you tremendously. So the times when right. you don't get paid and you know you've done a great job, I think that that is obviously disheartening, and you want to kind of exit when things like that happen. Absolutely. So that brings me to a very interesting question: How does one make their first million in the catering business? <laughs> I want to say in your case would be probably a day, but let's 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 try and be a little modest here and understand how does one make their first million in the wedding business. Wedding catering business, particularly. So I, I think, uh, Gini, uh, um, we we would like to say that milestones like a million are not necessarily the milestones you should have, right? Uh, if if you ask me how do you make your first million, I'll come back to you and say why not? Why didn't you say how do you make a first billion, for example, right? The, the value of money is yeah. changing. Um, so you know, somebody who's watching this ten years from now will think a million is not is not so much money, and their goals should be a lot lot bigger. I think, I think what the goals definitely be is 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 how do you uh, grow your company? How do you increase your business? How do you keep a uh, hundred days of the year occupied? So I think in the catering business, one of the best things that you can do is to give your staff work every single day. And if you're able to achieve 200 days a year of of uh, of work in catering, I would say that's your first million. Um, you know, I think more than the actual number of million, uh, you know, the fact that you have work every single day, uh, you know, yeah. of of a reasonable period. And, and you know, if you discount your Mondays and Tuesdays and you discount the very very peak summer months, you know, 200 days is a lot. 200 days is the number of days a, a child goes to school, for example. So, yeah, so, so, yeah, absolutely. You know, so 200 days a year is what your target should be. You know, so your first target should be, you know, I want to have work 100 days a year, and then the next target should be 200 days a year. And of course, the eventual target is that you know 366 days a year should be when when you need to have uh, work um, where where you have work every single day of the year. So, so I think money-wise, you know, is not is not the is not the approach we should have. Um, you know, I think the Even a million dollars is is a is is very less money. You could you could get ten million dollars, twenty million dollars if you want to talk in you know dollars. Um, so so that's not that's not what we should look at. I I definitely think we should look at uh, having work every day. I, and and I think that's our real million in in the catering. Industry. 
Super. Thank you so much. Great advice, uh, Varun. Thank you so very much. I'm going to go back to discussing. You mentioned about customizing the wedding catering menus as per the guests guest list that that a client really has, and. Uh, and, and, and the idea really is to sort of keep innovating the the menus uh, to sort of stay relevant in this business. So, Varun, uh, do tell me, like, you know, what is the most innovative menu you've done for a wedding, and how did you go about achieving it? So, Guinea, we've we've done a menu, you know, where we did uh, the food by uh, theme. Um, um, you know, so we did a menu where we did an entire theme uh, of Mughal emperors, for example, right in Hyderabad. Where we did the food from, uh, you know, the era of all the Mughal emperors, from Humayun to Babur, we we kind of had you know wow. Akbar Shah Jahan, Bahadur Shah Zafar, etc., etc., and we had the food of their era. So it wasn't only Indian food, it wasn't only North Indian food, it wasn't only Mughlai food, it was Mughlai food of the period of the Mughals. So from wow. very heavy Persian influences to you know, looking at the vegetarianism uh, of Akbar and looking at that period to the extremely non-vegetarian period of Bahadur Shah Zafar, etc. Um, and various styles of food that we got inspired from Persia. Uh, you know, we got the various types of food uh, where we had inspiration from Persia. I think that was very, very interesting. We did a uh, menu where we did, uh, you know, rather than focus on cuisine, we focused on the ingredients and we had the menu segregated by uh, chilies, greens, dairy, lentils, fruits and flowers wow. and where each section had its own uh, you know every dish had a green element so every dish had chilies in there right so that was quite interesting and a third style that we would have done is uh, is where we did a 100% sit down where there was no buffet or live station and we had people sitting where a chef would prepare exactly what they would want to order uh, so almost like a chef's table but for all thousand guests um, sounds sounds really really uh, huge, and I think it's it's something that we as Indian weddings don't really experience a lot. But I think the trend seems to be heading there now. So, Varun, do you feel like these intimate weddings now post COVID, the intimate weddings would set a new trend in the wedding industry? Yeah. So I think firstly, if you had a budget to do a thousand person wedding, and now you've got to do it for for fifty people, even if even if coronavirus has, has affected your finances a bit, I still think that you would do. You know, probably spend what you might spend on 300 people on 50 people. You know, so I I I think that you know the quality of what people will want will go up far far greater. People will scrutinize exactly the experience that is going to their guests. Um, they will want the very best, the absolute very best uh, for their for their yeah. kids, right? I think they'll they'll come in and experience a new era of weddings that the West has learned to experience where. Uh, intimate weddings is what kind of sets the West apart from us. Um, you know, they feel that weddings should be celebrated with only your close friends and only your close family. And I think that is something that 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 would would, would kind of come in. Um, so I think the 50 or 100 or 200 person wedding, uh, whatever number that kind of average falls back, um, mm. or even a 200 is intimate in India. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that you can celebrate with every single person who means something to you. Is 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 a very different experience than standing on stage and whispering to your parents that you know what's auntie ka naam kya tha. <laughs> so there are two there are two different types of uh, you know uh, you know weddings you know in a wedding you might not know all the people you've invited and and a wedding where you pretty much are 
uh, best friends or family with with the 50 people who are attending right yeah. so yeah. so i think yeah. the quality of what you want to give your closest people is something that would that would that would change things the sky is the limit now really yeah so i mean you know and also i think covid has sort of brought in a lot of uh, uh, i think discussions based on food hygiene safety and all of that going around and i think um, though every catering business i mean every business or restaurant for that matter food and hygiene uh, food hygiene and safety was the priority uh, in the beginning itself like that those were the parameters uh for 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 any business but are there any changes uh in this now since the covid uh, you know come in the i mean now since we are in the covid era do you see there is a change in how this food safety and hygiene would be taken care of as parameters so guinea we we also had the good fortune of catering in many countries you know we catered in 12 different countries yeah. and one of the biggest things that separates uh, you know another country apart from india is that a lot of them focus on a certification called hasab um which is a very specific hygiene related certification which monitors not only the people who are cooking but also how food is stored you know how food is labeled packaged stored you know how uh, long the food can last going forward um for example if you have a trash can you can't store food on above the trash can for example right uh, even if it's on four shelves above so there are various uh, you know kind of rules that that kind of come in in india uh the government has been a, you know very lenient and they've allowed uh, almost self uh, assessment so i think what covid will do is I, i think bring everybody to the same platform um and you know we have always prided ourselves on hygiene and what ends up happening with that is that we have to charge a little bit more from our customers because we have to follow certain protocols and there are certain caterers or certain people you know who may have just started and may not be aware of all the standards that exist internationally that would have the advantage of pricing because they don't really follow all the norms right so i think this will make an even playing field for a lot of people that the people who need to follow hygiene uh, are following hygiene because at the end of the day you you know you feed something bad to a thousand people that's putting a thousand lives at risk you know and i think yeah. more than even corona virus i i know if 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 somebody with a with 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 corona virus enters a wedding of 1000 people they may infect 25 30 50 or 100 people but if you serve a bad dish you'll you'll infect all 1000 people right so so the so the point is that i think that we anyways had our uh, hygiene standards uh, uh, you know uh, we had to uplift them in at par with the with the with the international certification yes it has to be international standards everything has to come into international standards and and, and yeah. this will just speed up the process and i think to be fair many many people in our industry had already been following the standards and a lot of people who have been exposed to the international kitchens and i think this will just make it a lot easier for the international mm. for, uh, standards to be followed and understand absolutely yeah absolutely and and you know one thing that i think uh, all of us want to sort of understand is like people in the wedding business because there'll be a lot of wedding uh, professionals will be watching and hearing this podcast i wanted to ask you that there was i mean a client usually expects a tasting menu before they finalize a caterer in the wedding business do you think that still be the trend that still be the trend because even if it's an intimate wedding you have only feel free to say 100 people to uh, sort of feed in a wedding do you still feel a catering owner a business owner should 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 follow those same that those same uh, uh, protocol to to book a wedding 
does this fooding really do that as well offering a tasting menu first before we before they actually close down for a private uh, for the full wedding we don't encourage that at all actually what we do is we let people uh, you know have a list of the dates that that weddings are available at and you know um we ask the host if they would mind if somebody visits for a tasting and i really do encourage people to try out the food at an actual event i think that gives them uh, a clear idea of what the food would taste like and it does two things i think um i uh, definitely think that it takes a lot of effort to try and have a tasting and for a small caterer to have a tasting for 20 people when they are pitching for a wedding of 1000 and eventually getting just a 50 person function that to complimentary i think is a little difficult to kind of get to that that level so i think the easiest thing to do if you already have an event to just offer the tasting at the end i think that's that's very uh, a good advice i think a lot of people in the business are uh, reinventing the wheel they are they're trying to see how they stay relevant during these covid times and also of course after as well so that brings us to the end segment like the last segment of our uh, podcast i think we have had some really great discussions but this rapid fire round is my favorite because this will get put you in a spot a little and uh, we'll get to probably get some nice uh, 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 replies on all our questions so nothing personal something we're trying to be completely candid you can choose to ignore the question if you like but um, they're very simple and straightforward really shall we begin sure okay my first question your favorite cuisine uh spanish if you were not in the food business what would it be uh, uh i would probably be a tech billionaire <laughs> and your current lockdown obsession sourdough Sourdough. I think I've, I've seen you make those on your Instagram quite a bit. We want to have a taste of that as well. Soon, soon. What is more satisfying you with you uh, for you? Sorry, the business of weddings or restaurants? Uh, I would actually say uh, the business of just feeding. I, I don't think you know I would like to classify it as wedding or restaurants. And in fact, we want to get into food retail now. We want to be in grocery stores as well. So I think just feeding. business of feeding is what what kind of excites me that's fantastic your favorite chef and why so i've always been a big fan of thomas keller i think thomas keller has been one of my favorites uh, i think because of what he does in terms of his precise methods uh, i love massimo butura i think the the fact that he can take a regular cuisine and kind of take it forward uh, to a to a to a very uh, you know to 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 a very strong kind of level um In, in his cuisine and look at memories uh, that people have from childhood i think i think these are the two chefs i would i would regard as my inspirations super your favorite des- food destination uh the us i i i think more than anything uh, i think the diversity that the, that the us gives you uh you know from from the very very authentic to the very very innovative is is what i love and and being such a large country i think across the us uh, uh I would say you get some of the best food experiences. Super, and the most overrated food destination, according to you? The most overrated food. So I think we've I found good food almost anywhere and everywhere. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I I actually thought Sri Lanka was very overrated. Overrated. I I I I would not. You know, I I I thought uh, I expected a lot more. I heard a lot more about the kind of food that you would get there. So I I thought Sri Lanka was was a bit overrated. the most overrated restaurant according to you this could be international or indian 
so i think uh, i think one you of, could have your reasons <laughs> no no right so so even though i respect uh, you know uh, the chef a lot uh, i i actually thought that you know i went to a restaurant called alinea in chicago uh, which a chef called grant chats uh, runs and i had good fortune of even even kind of eating with him in his kitchen and in fact massimo butura was there that same night as well and uh, i thought it was highly overrated i i i actually had been waiting many years to kind of eat at that restaurant and i think just the fact that you had to wait so long to get in um you know kind of you know lets you down uh, right in the beginning right? yeah. so so that is something that uh, that 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 okay. yeah. they overrated yeah Okay, so one cuisine you wish people in India could be introduced to at weddings? Uh, I definitely think Indian cuisine. I think people are ignoring Indian cuisine a lot. I think there is so much regional Indian food that exists in India that I think that try and get to uh, you know states like Bihar, states like Odisha, um, you know certain southern states, uh, interiors, uh, certain parts of Kashmir. Uh, such phenomenal food exists interiors of Punjab. People people just know the basics. You know, Amritsar kulcha, sarsok ka saag. you know they don't know uh, you know katlama for example or they don't know uh, some phenomenal uh, biryanis from the interiors of kerala or you know certain elements of kashmiri pandit cuisine for example right so 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 certain ingredients for example i think indian ingredients are so phenomenal like there are there are there are uh, prawns from uh, uh, odisha that are that are that are unbelievable and i think i wish that people could uh, experience the the vegetables the ingredients the, the kind of cultures from the interior of india and that's that's required okay uh, one wedding planner that you really enjoyed working with recently <laughs> <laughs> i think i think we i think we 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 share a love and hate uh, you know kind of relationship with most wedding planners i think we are very demanding as caterers so i think that most <laughs> wedding planners you know kind of would would would, would kind of give me one name let me push the button a little give me one day <laughs> i i would i think i think we i think we enjoy working with all of them i think we enjoy working with all of them and we, we who's your favorite there let me just say that <laughs> i uh, i i would <laughs> not, i don't i don't want to kind of i would i don't want to kind of get into that too much but uh, i think there are there are some great companies out there that 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 are doing really well i think the the smaller companies are the ones we really enjoy working with because the younger generation is very very passionate about what they do i think they are open to new ideas and new experiences and i think any company any wedding company that makes an effort to create a new experience for a customer is is what uh, a company that we we'd love to work with and and a company that that may not be uh, in tune with what their customer wants and are very uh, hell bent on what they want to give is is somebody who i would not like to work with you know so i think let's be diplomatic i think we've had like i said love and hate with almost everybody and the fact you know is that it is a little difficult to uh, demand as a caterer certain experiences certain uh, you know layouts for example you know a designer would have come in and kind of uh, made a complete layout and as a caterer when you come in and disrupt that 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 is this hard thing for a for a designer and a planner um and i think uh, so finding the right balance and yeah so caterers are being invited to come in to 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 do things like layouts right in the beginning but a lot of customers will come in and and pick the caterer right at the end you know a month before their their wedding and and try and fit them into the the planning that was already done 
um so i think if if all the stakeholders in a wedding are invited at the same time i think that will be a lot nicer and easier for everybody to kind of go through your one advice to the new age food entrepreneurs uh i think the only advice that i have to give is don't be stuck on weddings don't be stuck on the size of 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 uh, of a number so don't say i want to do a thousand person wedding and don't even be stuck on the fact that you want to do the entire cuisine you know i think there's so many opportunities i think the uh you know dessert for example there's so many opportunities you could just be a dessert caterer or a mithai caterer for example and 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 you would be able to do 20 weddings a day uh, rather than try and do a you know try and pitch to a wedding a day every day um so i i definitely think to try and find your niche and try and figure out what exists and what gaps there are in the market uh that people are enjoying uh, don't ignore what people are enjoying and don't run after what uh it, it seems elusive to you it might be elusive because it it might not be worth it so what comes easily is what you should actually go after don't don't try too hard great thank that's great advice passion or skills what do you need the most to survive this industry so i think the passion to develop skills i think that's really the 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 the, the, the kind of uh, <laughs> thinking that is required because without passion you will not spend that much time trying to acquire a skill and without the actual skill it becomes very difficult food is very technical sometimes you can't just mix a few things in a pot and expect it to turn out good uh, you've got to understand ingredients you've got to understand flavor you've got to understand temperature uh, there are various things that you've got to understand when you cook food so i think trying to acquire skills and if you're open to acquiring skills i think that will really make you successful and and it goes by it's not just food so catering is not just about food it's also about service it's also about um uh you know an experience that you're giving your guests right so trying to exp- uh, you know uh, figure out uh, how to hold a tray for example as a caterer um is is a skill that you should have so that you can actually teach your waiters how to hold a tray right or or polishing shoes every you know all your shoes should be polished your hair should be cut there are so many so many things that are skills that that exist so i think attention to detail is something that is very important super great that brings us to the end of this podcast Thank you so much Varun I think thank you for making the time it was one of the first podcast we ever had so thank you for being our first guest it was an absolute pleasure to have you and uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts and helping us dig deeper into the nuances of the catering world thank you once again Varun thanks thank you bye thank you listeners i hope you enjoyed this podcast we will be back with an exciting conversation with yet another celebrated wedding industry icons till then don't forget to subscribe to this podcast And thanks to our listeners I hope you enjoyed this podcast we will be back with an exciting conversation with yet another celebrated wedding industry icons till then don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and write to us with your suggestions feedback and of course the topics you'd like us to talk about in this show once again I'm your host Ginikoli signing off